Ladies and gentlemen. Thanksgiving tradition. No, I'm not talking about Starcade. I'm talking about Survivor Series. And this year, and, and of course over the years, it's, it's come to not be on Thanksgiving Day, and it's come to be on a Sunday somewhere in thing, in November at some time. And this year they hit it pretty close, right? I mean, they hit it four days before Thanksgiving. But um, right along with that, lately has been NXT TakeOver War Games. So basically a full weekend of Survivor-style matches for WWE. And so I spent the evening of Thanksgiving watching War Games. Um, Jeff finally caught up with me today, and so we're going to discuss War Games today. Jeff, well, you're, and you're, go ahead. And we have some other you know news that has happened, too. I mean, MLW, uh, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch it yet, but I kind of broke the news to you, so I'm, I'm sure you might have a thought or two on it. Um, you know, that was the big Thanksgiving special this year. Um, and, you know, they delivered with a couple of pretty decent matches, some stuff that uh, I hope now that Cornette is no longer with NWA, he goes back. Because he's really been struggling lately. They have been. Um, I actually, I actually only watched the opening Survivor Series or Survivor style match. match. Yeah, the Survivor Series style match. Yeah, Yeah. I I think they might have done that as a shout out to Survivor Series. To be honest, because it just seemed fitting that you have a survival Survivor style match on Thanksgiving. That's the way it always was. That's the way it always should be. Oh, I agree. I just. I'm just a little bit uh, surprised that they went the route that they did. There's, you know, there's there's three guys in um, in injustice. They could have had they could have had somebody else, some other heel heel join them and actually done a four on four instead of the two on two thing. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make um, uh, Oliver and um, what the hell's his name? Coda. What is his name? Yeah, Coda Brazil. Um, I think they're. I think well, now it's what was coming to my head, but um, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to establish those two as a tag team. I mean, we have to finally get rid of this feud with Gringo Loco, or as Jordan Oliver called him, Gordo Loco, which actually was the best part of that promo. <laughs> I laughed really loud. <laughs> Um, but I think they're trying to establish those two as a tag team to make a run at the tag team titles. Yeah, that would make sense that they would do that. They would do that. Um, couple, couple things because you watch it. We need some tag teams in that, in that um, organization. Yeah, and um, there's a few things that happen in this episode, and I, I'm going to break it because, well, 
you're you haven't watched it yet and i kind of broke the big thing already today um but a couple of happened is i think mjf has been completely written off now and there's now a third member of dynasty interesting uh, Better not uh no oh god that was brutal um but uh well, he was the, in TNA. Uh, I don't know why you would expect him to be any better in MLW. Well, I knew he wasn't going to be, but he's he might be one of the worst promo men I've ever seen. Like, straight up, worst promo men I've ever seen out of his hand because he does not just give him a manager, someone to talk for him. Because I think if he doesn't talk, he might be watchable. But the second he opens his mouth, it just it annoys so much. So, so much. But anyway. Than an elementary school play. No, no. You need to watch the main event because that was the worst overacting I've ever seen. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Alex Hammerstone delivered his gift to the dynasty. So now we're back at three members of the dynasty since uh, MJF is kind of, since he's only appearing via phone lately. Um, Am I gonna be his gift. About this person? I don't know who he is. Um, I thought at first it was uh, Killer Cross, but it turned well, out well, not to be. Excited. Right, but it's not. It's somebody who's actually bigger than Alex Hammerstone. Okay. He's their new bruiser is what they announced him as, and he's going to be in the in uh, some battle royal that's coming up. And you don't know who so he is. I, 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 Dude, I can barely remember my own name this time of year. I'll, I'll, they did. They I'll, did say I'll his name. I'll have to. Tonight, probably, so. I'll have to. I'll have to watch it. But I, it. It was. It was a nice way to keep Dynasty going, uh, with Richard Holiday as that MJF leader character, and then Alex Hammerstone, and now a bigger bruiser. Someone. I mean, this guy's huge, huge, and he looks really familiar. Um, but I just couldn't. I was kind of watching while I was on uh, on my lunch break, so I didn't, wasn't really totally paying attention. But um, then we got to the worst overacting I've ever seen in my life, which set up probably the worst heel turn in history uh, with filthy Tom Lawler. At, and and you mentioned earlier last week he uh, when Ross called him his brother, he kind of made that face. Well, this week. He was out there just pumping up Ross, telling him how great it's going to be to have Ross as the next champion and how he's got his back and, you know, they're brothers and all this stuff. It was so over the top that I that you immediately knew Lawler was turning heel at the end of the night, which he did. You know, he ended up turning heel, which is a great move by Lawler. I think it's a great move for the organization. A heel Tom Lawler is always better than that crap we've had for the last, what, six, eight months? Well, Jesus, almost a year. And he ring by saying, fuck Contra, fuck the Von Erics, fuck everybody, and just walked out. See, I, I really want to see them make this make sense because, you know, he's the one that brought the Von Erics in. Um, they've been basically inseparable since then. You know, they won war games together, or war chamber together, I should say. So... Um, I wanted Tom Lawler to go back to heel. We talked about that before on this show, but I really wanted I really wanted him to come out with a promo to make everything make sense as to why he did it. And it, I, I agree, and I wish that there had been at least the difference with this um, is there was teasing some dissension between 
him and the Von Erics before he turned heel. Unlike MJF, which was still, in my eyes, the heel turn ever. Um, this is close. This is a close second. It was bad. Um, but at least it, it it put Tom in a better light in a place where I think he's going to thrive. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it can go anywhere, you know, because Tom kind of went his own way while the Von Eriks went their own way. They were still friends, but they weren't really a team anymore. And then all of a sudden he comes in and he's like, you're my brother. You're my brother. You're the you had my back. I'll always have your back and then turns on him. Where's it going to go? Is Tom Lawler versus Ross Von Eric going to be a feud now? Well, I guess it depends on how, on how on how injured Marshall is. If he, if he's really hurt and he really can't wrestle for a while, then it would make sense that that uh, you know Ross has somebody to, to feud against. But are they the tag team champions also? Yeah. So it, it's it's not it, it just the payoff of where it goes from here doesn't make sense. So we're going to need a good promo by him to sell this because right now it's borderline one of the worst heel turns ever. Not as bad as the MJF one, but getting close. All right, so you said MJF was the worst heel turn of all time, did you not? That I've ever seen, yeah. All right, so what's the greatest you've ever seen? Uh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan might... Hulk Hogan might have been the greatest heel turn because it was so unexpected, but he was able to deliver in his post-match promo to make it all make sense. See, and I was thinking, as I asked the question, I was thinking Seth Rollins. Which one, though? His turn on the shield or his... Okay. See, and yeah, I kind of get that, but... My only problem with that one is it wasn't so much about Seth Rollins as it was about Triple H. Because, yeah, we all expected Dean Ambrose to be the guy that turned heel. We all expected, um, you know, Dean to be the guy to be the breakout star and the one that was going to be the next champ and the one that was going to be the heel out of the group and, and turn on his brothers and everything. But to have Seth do it was such a surprise that it had that huge impact but what sold it was not Seth. What sold it was Triple H talking about his plan B because it was right after Batista did his stupid little leaving WWE with his whatever that wave thing was that he did. Um, and, you know, he talked about having a plan B and then it ended up being um, Seth. And then Seth went on to one of the worst heel runs I've ever seen. Where he couldn't win a match unless Jamie Noble and um, who's that other guy, Joey Mercury, helped him out. You know, it was it was just bad. The only shining spot of his entire heel run was when he um, his face off with Brosnan after he screwed Brock Lesnar out of the title in that very first face off when he couldn't even look Brock in the face, and he just kind of cowered and and he ran away like that cowardly heel. But otherwise, that was one of the worst heel runs as champion I think I've seen in a long time, and I don't think I've seen anything that bad since in any um, promotion. Right. I mean, if you if you look at the follow-up, then, then yeah, you're totally right. But if you look at the, just the actual turn itself, just the shocking, just the shockiness of it, I think was amazing. 
Yeah, it was because, like, but, like, but, like, but, yeah, like I, mean, I said. But if you want to look at if you look at the complete follow-up, then Hogan's has to be number one of all time because uh, it, Hulk, it, first of all, he was Hulk Hogan, and second, and secondly, look what it led to over the next year and a half. Well, and not just that, but he immediately delivered a promo that sold it. It wasn't just, hey, I turned heel because I'm going to turn heel. I, this is the order. We are the ones taking over. And it led, fed into everything we've ever heard about Hulk Hogan up to that point. And keep in mind, at that time, it was just dirt sheets and rumors. So we didn't really, really get all the internet scoops and all that stuff. But everybody knew that Hulk Hogan was the egomaniac. And if you'd listened to Heenan for a decade before that, it almost felt like Heenan was uh, was after that heel turn. It almost felt like Bobby Heenan was predicting that heel turn for damn near a decade, mm-hmm. because he always talked about how despicable Hogan was and how Hogan was never this guy that was this great thing that everybody thought he was, and he was always this asshole and all that stuff. And I mean, some of the lines that Hogan that. Uh, Heenan had at Hogan's expense like um, he came out and uh, you know when it was him against Flair and Flair came out and you know he gives him the four and then Tony Schiavone is like yeah I saw you gave uh, Flair the you know the the four horsemen sign and he goes yeah when Hogan came out I gave him the one horseman sign no it was, it, it was just no that <laughs> Arn Anderson came down and Tony Schiavone said look he's showing the four the four fingers the sign of the four horsemen and and Hina said, when Hogan came out, I gave one finger. That's what it was. Is that what it was? I All I know is he... But it, it was it was such a great heel turn because it, it just had so much history. He delivered probably one of the best heel promos I've heard ever immediately after that turn as the ring is filling with garbage. And it was, it was one of those magical moments that I'll never forget. Probably... My second favorite heel turn of all time was Flair on Sting during that tag match. (laughs) Well, that's what I was getting to. During that tag match, when it was uh, Pillman and Arn Arn against Flair and and Sting, and he spent months and months and months getting – you know, convincing Sting that he was somebody he could be, uh, he could be counted on, and all this stuff, and then just to turn on him the way it was, it was expected. We knew it was coming at some point, but it was still just so well done that it, it might be my second favorite. It was like three weeks, not months, not months and months. It was a long goddamn time in the wrestling world. <laughs> But, but but along the same lines, my favorite, you know, my if the, the one along the same lines as that one to me is Arn Anderson turning on Dustin Rhodes. When when Arn yeah. when Arn told yep. him, you know, you, you know, you told him, you know, you know who I am, and and then you know he comes in, he's like, he's like pumping his fist like he's about to he's about to go after the uh, stud stable, and nope, he drops Dustin with the DDT. That's probably my favorite one along those lines. Yeah, that was a good one too. That really was. Man, there's been some great heel turns, and then we've gotten this crap over the last couple of months. Speaking of great heel turns, and this was for a different reason, um, and it's going to kind of and and you didn't watch MLW. Oh, one more thing about MLW before we move on to this: uh, Darby Allen's wife is now in MLW, and she is amazing. 
Darby Allen has a wife? Yeah, Priscilla Kelly. I didn't know. I did not know they were, they were married. I didn't either until today. I found it. I googled her just because uh, the way that they made her her appearance as being the Spider Woman and the way she came out of it, the right. way they made the way they sold. Oh, that's Priscilla Kelly. It's Priscilla Kelly. I I needed to find out who the Priscilla Kelly was, and it turns out it's Darby Allen's wife. And on this uh, on this episode, after last week when she unveiled herself and then she cut that ridiculously great promo that didn't make much sense because there really is no MLW women's division, but it was still a really, really strong promo. Um, this week, that uh, Casey Lennox or, or whatever her name is, the backstage reporter. Yeah, she got her ass kicked uh, that. Got just beaten down and then the fact that um uh, priscilla ended up attacking the cameraman too it was that was that she i'm i'm intrigued by her i really need to see where they go with this because so far two episodes and i'm i'm sold on this woman but yeah that's darby allen's uh darby allen's wife which okay. i thought was kind of cool too um but yeah, now and she's, and she's bigger than him too <laughs> yes yeah, she is <laughs> but now leading to um Another heel turn that happened that I really enjoyed. I want to see, I want to hear the promo. I want to see where it goes. But the viciousness of it was so impressive. Oh my God. It's, that was such a great unexpected heel turn. And of course it, it, it's not going to be made great until we hear the reason, but to turn on her best friend in that manner, that viciously and not only her best friend but to fuck throw punches at william regal and you know the referees and and just she lost her damn mind and it was great to watch so so here's how great that was i don't know who dakota is i don't know who tegan knox is because i just haven't been following nxt on a week-to-week basis and those guys but you do now no yeah girls have not been on you know any takeovers so I saw their comebacks. I knew they were best friends, but I had no emotional investment in them. And now I do in both of those. Now I have emotional right, exactly. investment in what the, and what the hell Dakota Kai did, you know, why she did what she did, and also Antigua Knox getting her revenge on her. So well done. It, well done. I mean, the Io Shirai turn on Candice LeRae was fun, but this turn took two people that neither you or I even gave a shit about. Like I, we knew who Candice LeRae was. We kind of, we were invested and, you know, we knew she was a great wrestler and a great performer. We both kind of liked Io Shirai, but you were upset about, you know, the face attacking the heel and so on. We had some emotional investment. You and I don't have the time to watch NXT anymore. So this was, like you said, it was completely unexpected. I had no story build up to this. None at all. To, to coming into every one of these matches, there was no stories involved. I watched these matches, and I, I had to get it done, so I skipped forward. You know, I, I watched the match, and then I'd skip to the next match. And I love that WWE Network has that function now. Um, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't watch any of the backstories. I didn't listen to any of the you know commentary on it. I just watched the matches, and that heel turn was has me now to the point where I'm going to search out these two when they have their feud blow offs when she has when she comes out next week and explains why she did what she what she did and all this stuff 
I'm invested just because of how vicious it was. Guess what? What? On NXT, she did not explain why she did what she did yet. It hasn't, has NXT happened since then? Yeah. When the hell was this show? Why am I so far behind? (laughs) What is going on with my life? War Games was on November 23rd. Oh, she did uh, explain it? She didn't explain it yet. No, she had a match against... God, that's just hard. She had a match against Candice LeRae, where she lost by disqualification, but beat the shit out of LeRae afterwards. And then, of course, the superhero of the women's division right now went out and saved her. So... Um, and who's that? Re, be re, uh, yeah. Um, and now, okay. And, no, let's. No, oh, go ahead. I, I, I had more to say about that. And so, so yeah, go ahead. The, the other thing about it is that there's also that intriguing part of the mystery is like, so did Dakota Kai attack Mia Kim before the match to take her place and then do this to Tegan Knox, or did somebody else attack Mia Yim before the match? That was what I was thinking, too. As soon as I saw the heel turn, I'm like, holy shit, did she attack Mia, too? Right. Did she do that as some kind of ploy to get in this position? It was it was just the brutality of it. The fact that she went as nuts as she did. Like, normally you see a heel turn, it's one or two shots. Like, the Finn Balor turn on Johnny was just that, um, that Pele kick. That was the end of it. You know, the Lawler turn on Von Erich. It was just that chair shot. That was it. This was insanely brutal. Like, she she went 14 levels of crazy and attacked, kicked her in the face and then attacked her and pulled her through the cage and slammed her, her leg in the door and then did the, um, the leg breaker on and then kept came back again after she was ushered off. It was such insanity that it sold, it made me an instant fan of this feud. Instant yeah, I mean, it, fan. It, it was worse than Bowers. It was worse than Bowers' attack on Gargano. You know? and, that, and that was right. Exactly. Itself, so. Right. Exactly. I mean, it was, it, and the the fact that you've got Shayna Baszler in the background laughing made it so much better. And then being Candice in the ring with their mouths wide open, watching it, like, what the fuck is happening? It was such a great, great heel turn that I don't know that I need an explanation for it. It was so brutal and so well done that this might be one of the rare times where I don't care about the explanation. I just want to see these two fight each other. Well, you know, and that was the other great... You mentioned Rhea Ripley's reaction to it, and that was great how it sold it also because Rhea was still yelling, get down here, you know, get down here, because she Mm -hmm. knew that, you know, regardless of what she had just done to Tegan Knox, she was still looking at facing, you know, two against four if... Dakota Kai didn't come out there, and, and Kai still just like, kind of like, you know, like, um, bad, you know, like, trash talked her. We couldn't really understand what she was saying, but she was still trash talking everybody, and she just walked the fuck away. Anyway, you know, it was. It was like, such, such it was a so, great. It was so well sold by everybody out there, you know. Yeah, it really was, and to be honest, that was the only thing about that match I liked. What? <laughs> it really was. <laughs> if, if it wasn't for that heel turn. That match should have been off the card. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Okay, so we I are loved... in complete disagreement here. That is the greatest War Games match I've ever seen. Oh, are you kidding me? I'm See, not. no, it I was thought awesome. that. And, and I awesome, hate it. And it's awesome despite the fact that my favorite women's wrestler of all time was terrible in it. She was okay. She was herself. 
Um, whoever this she Kaylee was not Ray is, herself? are you kidding me? She was Shayna Baszler. I mean, maybe, it, well, it was what was, I mean, maybe, and maybe Shayna Baszler just doesn't perform well in a multi multi person match because she never she has because she wasn't great in that match and she was not great at Survivor Series either. And yes, yeah, she's Survivor never Series. she's. Ne- she never hit. Oh, I've watched a couple of those matches too. I, I, I'm not. I didn't watch the whole thing, but the, only the big I didn't four watch were the were the world championship matches. Otherwise, I watched everything. The big four are still. They still hold a soft spot in my heart because that's what you know. Yeah, it, it. And even this last weekend with Starcade, yeah, I know it's not WCW anymore. I know it's not the NWA anymore, but it still holds a soft spot in my heart. So I will watch the big four. And I'll watch, you know, in the war games or something like that. I'll watch it just because of what it's meant to me from, you know, childhood till now. <clears throat> so well, I plan to watch it. You had told me what NXT did it, and I wanted to see it for myself. And that, you know, and, too. You know, and, you know, NXT was one four to SmackDown's two Raw's one, and they almost were five to one to one because it took Roman Reigns, you know, beating Keith Lee in the final of that that um, of the men's Survivor Series match when it was one when it was those two only two guys left for it, for them not to get that clean sweep in those matches basically. Yeah, they they did have a hell of a performance, but I want it, it's it kind of is one of those things where they're trying to position NXT as this unstoppable force so that they, they can get the viewership up. Yeah. You know, and it's fine. It's fine because I, to be honest, I think NXT is a superior brand. I love the fact that some of my favorites are coming back to NXT to perform and putting on the shows like Kevin Owens did during War Games. I actually that war, the men's War Game match I thought was amazing. I really liked the Matt Riddle versus uh, Balor match, and that Triple Threat match I thought was good. Not great, but it was definitely good. Um, so, so what do you I not like about the women's match then? Because to me, it was booked perfectly. I mean, see, I mean, and if, if, I mean, if you're going to book two people to beat four, I thought it was. Perfect. It, oh, it was definitely those two. Perfect. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and I felt you know, like and, the you know, booking. I, I th- go ahead. I'm sorry. I asked you. No, I, I the book. Go ahead. No, dude, I don't let you answer shit either. So <laughs> talk all you want. Um, the. Uh, my problem, my problems with it were, I think a lot of my problem with this entire show, to be honest, was uh, Morrow and his um, parrot. I don't know what those two do, but they need to like coordinate what their scripts are, because I'm getting really, really sick of Morrow saying something, and then 30 seconds later, Beth Phoenix saying the exact same thing, just in a different way. It when it, every time I've watched those two together, it seems like that's what they do. It's like he's got his little parrot there. I I cannot, and here we're gonna go with my normal Morrow rant, but I cannot listen to him. The fact that those two together, they bring down these matches so much that by the end, and the, maybe the reason I, I enjoyed the men's match so much is I turned the sound down. <laughs> I, I couldn't take them anymore. They were they were so bad. They're ju- they're just Morrow and his feigned excitement and his having to force in these catchphrases that sometimes ninety percent of the time don't make any sense. Like he was quoting movies at one point that had nothing to do with the, what was happening in the ring, just to get his shit in. 
it's he is and i might be in the minority i guess i don't know but i can't stand listening to him i just can't he might be my least favorite announcer right now and there's still michael cole out there but i think i like mauro ranallo worse (laughs) wow and then beth and then beth is not good either she literally is just his parrot it's really hard to listen to those two Okay, but so I asked uh, you what so, you like about the match, and you started renting. Started I'm, get, I'm getting running, there. Running I'm getting there. About the I'm, commentator, so I'm wondering. Is that, I'm getting. Is that what? You, all right, go ahead. That was part of it. Okay. Those two really, really ruined the first probably three quarters of the show, and well, there was only four matches. They ruined the first three of them um, because of how bad their commentary was. Now on to this match, and it happened again in the men's match. War Games is a blood feud. War Games is the culmination of the worst rivalries out there. The ones that are, I mean, this is Ciampa versus Gargano type stuff. Do you really think that Ciampa and Gargano would have had, would have been able to have separate entrances and stand there within five feet of each other, staring at each other while the other one comes out and does their little dance? No. That that annoyed me, and it annoyed me in the men's too. Because, yeah, UE came out. That's great, and you've got Champa and all these guys who are just they hate them. That you know, this is the war games. This is the culmination of it. And undisputed era standing there while Keith Lee, Dijakovic, and Champa come out. It was the same thing with the women's mat with the women. They all had their separate entrances, and the only one that actually seemed to care was Tegan Knox. She came out and she was, you know, yelling at the at at Baszler's team. But why are we why do we have these four team or these four members from each team standing within feet of each other? They hate each other. All they can do think about doing is getting in that cage and beating the hell out of each other. And we have them within feet of each other staring at each other and not doing anything. So dumb. Have one team come out, get in the cage, lock them up, then bring out the other team. At least make it make sense. But so that irritated me from the beginning. And then I loved the Candice LeRae stuff. I loved the fact that Io Shirai was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going. And then Candice LeRae was like, okay, if she's going, I'm going too. And Candice LeRae plays that Johnny Gargano role to perfection. Almost no, I, better I, 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 than Johnny I, I, Gargano I, 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 does. Real quick here because – I was going to make a point, and you and you kind of brought it up here. So, okay, you know the reason the reason why they're doing it the way that you don't like is because so they can have those kind of moments where, where you know you you have the teams like not sure who's going to be out there, and then somebody else will make it make just make that decision like what what they're going to do. And, and that's fine. They could and, have done and, that. And if, and, if you, and if you and if you throw them all in the cage, all at the same time, you can't do that. Yeah, you can. Because because you had Shayna Baszler's team taking the lead. So you open the cage door to see who's going to come out. And Io Shirai busts out. And then Candice LeRae does the same thing on the other side. It could have worked. They just, it they the fact that they did it the way they did it had pulled me out of it from the beginning because it it was something i hated about the usos when they'd come out and do their little war dance you know they're in this blood feud with whatever tag team they're uh, up against and they're up on stage doing their little war dance granted that's what got the usos over to begin with 
but at the same point, if you hate these people, why are you up there doing your little damn dance? Um, and it, it to me, it was like, and it was even worse in the men, and in the men's one. Not so much because of Dijakovic and Keith Lee, because I don't know what their history with uh, you uh, undisputed era is, but I do know what Champa's is. And for him to come out there and calmly stand there and then march to the ring without even talking to his teammates honestly made no sense when he had the entire undisputed era right there out of their cage and he could have just attacked them with the with the crutch right there it it just it's one of those little details where i'm such a stickler on details and this was one of those details where it was like okay this was not well done but yeah, anyway, yeah, they probably should have. Um, maybe they should have. Maybe they should have had like something like a stipulation where you couldn't. Where you know, if you'd attach your your opponents before the match, you were automatically you automatically lost or something like that. Or why not do it like uh, uh, MLW does? Or maybe why not do it like uh, you know, the NWA used to do? There was never those stupid cages on the stage. They stayed in the back. No, they, you, they were in the back. Nobody. In uh, MLW, they do, right? But it, I'm saying not in NWA. They they were always out there, and then and then they would you know, you would just be waiting for your for the guy to come out there. They were basically just sitting like right outside the cage. Yeah, that, I mean that was the early moments of it. Um, but once they hit about, I got I want to say ninety five, ninety six, you didn't know who was coming out until their music hit. They did it a lot more like a battle royal type thing. Or like a Royal Rumble type thing where you had no clue who was on the way until their music hit. I don't remember them ever doing that. Uh, I believe they did it in 98. Might have been the first time I... Or 96 might have been the first time I saw it. Was when uh, Sting... They had the Sting and the fake Sting. And Luger ended up being... I've never seen that Starcade. Or that... uh, Really? That's still one of my favorites. <laughs> that might be my favorite. That might be my favorite war game match of all time, because really? the Sting and the fake Sting. Oh yeah, the fact that they had built Sting up as nobody knew if they could trust him, and and then the fake Sting comes out, and that's the fake Sting's you know moment of you know the renegade or whatever his name was. That was his moment in the sun, and then you know the real Sting comes out and and splashes everybody and wins the basically wins the match for them. And then says, "Huh, you didn't believe me? Fuck you guys!" And walked out. Well, yeah, I know what it, happened. It's, I just, I'm just saying, I've never. It's just, I never saw it. So. It might be one of my favorite war games of all time. Um, but regardless, uh, back to this one. So Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, loved it. Love their chemistry. I love those two together. I, can't, I think Candice is better at being Johnny Gargano than Johnny Gargano is. She plays that face in peril better than anyone i've ever seen and she does it in a way where when she does make her little comebacks they're not unbelievable like with johnny i think johnny is amazing he's one of the best wrestlers he's he's one of my favorites i mean there was a time we were, we were going to start stop calling them five star matches we were going to call them five gargano matches because he's that good but he does have a tendency to overdo his we comebacks. We did do that at one point. I totally forgot. Yeah, we did. That. But <laughs> and he, now I'm he so does. Down on him. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so. 
he does have a tendency to really overdo his comebacks where he'll sell oh my god he's getting his ass kicked and then all of a sudden he'll do a five six seven move stretch where he's in control candace doesn't do that she gets her ass kicked has one maybe two offensive moves and then gets her ass kicked again she is so good at i mean like i said i think she might be better at it than johnny is um and she was she was phenomenal in that first five minutes and i felt like her and eo have such a great chemistry and they sell everything so well and they're so good together that that first five minutes was was just it was it was great i really liked it and then bianca belair comes in and i've never been a fan of hers i that's not been anybody's secret especially mine um but i was still okay with it where it turned was when uh ripley came down and her teammate has been getting her ass kicked for eight minutes eight minutes getting her ass kicked and instead of get yeah she instead of getting in the ring she's digging under for trash cans and chairs and and all this stuff she spends two and a half minutes getting shit to throw in the ring instead of saving her partner to make it worse when her turn when she finally gets in the ring there's like a minute and a half of fighting before uh kylie ray and by the way can we call her something other than Kylie Ray? Because that name's already taken. Um, but regardless, Kylie Ray comes in and instead of getting into the ring, she goes under the ring to bring in chairs that are already in the ring. That six minutes really on top of the bad commentary and you know everything going on that six minutes really really drug to the point where i was like this is not a good match what the are they doing it makes no sense and then we had the kylie uh we had the uh, dakota kai heel turn which saved the entire thing and Shayna baszler laughing in the background was still one of my favorite things ever just her laughing was great yeah, I mean, I agree with you about the. I guess I missed the the uh, the Kaylee Ray stuff, and and actually her name is Kaylee Ray. The other one you're thinking is Kylie Ray. So there's there are yeah, it's, women, it's too so. it's too close. I don't care. <laughs> too close. Yeah, change think, your name. But I think Kaylee Ray actually was wrestling before Kylie <clears throat> Ray was. So I think Kylie Ray is the one have to actually change her name, not Kaylee Ray. But I, I don't I, care. I one of them needs to change their damn name. I I'm fine with you saying that. You're such an old <laughs> curmudgeon sometimes. Um. Well. Uh, I, I am, what, six months that. old? So. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. Uh, um, but, but, I mean, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of overlooked the whole... Because I, I thought the same thing with Rhea, Rhea Ripley was doing. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, you're, you know your teammates are getting their ass kicked. You know, you're, you're out there, you're supposed to be this big badass, and you're not out there, and they're helping you. Instead, you're throwing weapons into the ring. But then I thought, well, she's the team captain. She's having faith in her teammate that you can hold out a few more seconds. You know, you can't lose the match. In, you a can't few win the more match seconds. Match Hang on. You can't it was win like or, two minutes. Okay, it's fine, two minutes. But you can't win or right, lose sorry, the match sorry. at that point anyway. So, you know, you get in there, you're the big badass, you just you, do, you dominate those other two guys as the freshest person in there, or chicks, I guess, in this in this case. I'll be politically correct and say call them chicks. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you get them in there. 
and and then you and then you're you're dominating. So I mean, I guess I guess I kind of I kind of like I was able to suspend my disbelief there because I thought, well, you know, she's the team captain. She should know the strengths of her team. She decided that that she can last a bit longer, and and it's a good tra- and it's a good trade off for um, being able to do more damage because once she gets in that cage, if she leaves it, her team loses. So she only has that really one opportunity to, to put the weapons in. And I'm not saying that it didn't end up being okay. I didn't like the fact that she spent that kind of time when her, you know, her teammate has been getting her ass kicked. The part that really took me out of it was when, uh, and I'm going to say Kylie, whatever, uh, came out, Kaylee Ray came out and dug under the ring and grabbed more chairs. That was the part I was like, all right, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This is, it's like, why? Okay. If she, if she'd come out and grab, it's funny because that's where the, the men's, the men's war game lost me. It was like, Oh, with the tables. Yeah. The tables because not only, not only did Cole put like three in the ring, then set one up on the barricade for himself to get me to be put through ridiculously. And, and then he, you know, and then he threw more in there after he set up that one. But also, we had already seen war. We'd already seen the weapons in a war games match earlier. We we didn't need to see weapons in another war games. You know what the funny thing is? We've never seen, or we haven't seen weapons in a war game match since what the eighties, until MLW did it this year with uh, Contra Unit. Now all of a sudden, both the WWEs had it too. There were no weapons last year. They didn't have weapons in the first two war games. It was just the guys in there beating the shit out of each other. You know, I don't remember weapons in any of the uh, WCW or NWA war games. Now all of a sudden MLW had war games or had weapons because of Contra Unit. So both the uh, WWE ones had to have them or NXT ones had to have them too. See, I feel like last year's men. I feel like last year's war games did have weapons in it, but I, I could be mistaken. The one in MLW did because they had the barbed wire. No, I and thought. We had, no, no, no. I thought last year's one in NXT <clears throat> digs. I thought that I thought there was a table spot in that one as well. I and I guess I don't remember. I the the table spot that I remember um, was the Adam Cole Johnny Gargano one. During their three stages of hell, I don't remember the table. I don't remember a table spot in last year. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just don't remember it because I remember once Pete Dunn, I re- the one th- thing that stood out in that one was the fact that um, Bobby Fish came out through the keys and they couldn't get, let, get Pete Dunn out. So when Pete Dunn finally came out, all hell broke loose. But I don't remember weapons in that one. I remember, you know, the four, you know, the eight of them standing in the middle of the, you know, where the two rings were connected. I remember Ricochet coming off the, off the top of the barrier, off the top of the cage. You know, I remember all that stuff, but I don't remember weapons at all. And I could be wrong. I mean, it's, it's just not sticking out in my head. I do remember weapons in last year's. I guess I was thinking that when Ricochet, when Ricochet did that dive off the top of the, off the top of the 
um, War Games cage, it was actually through a table, but I could be wrong about that. Nope, he just did a somersault, or he just did a you know a backward somersault where he landed on everybody, and you had Morrow and his oh my mama mia bullshit. Jesus, mama mia, stop with the fucking mama mia. Oh my god. <laughs> you, realize, you, re- you realize that now the crowd says it more than he does, right? I know, but it's still <laughs> fucking annoying. <laughs> and his. And when he was during the, uh, when Kevin Owens was coming down and he was doing that, oh my bleep, oh my bleep, you're on fucking network, you're on, you're, you're on the internet, you're not even on a fucking TV show, you're on the internet, say the fucking word. And it's only shit, it's not like you're saying the F word or something. Yeah, and you look, you watch AEW, you watch um, MLW, you watch Ring of Honor and New Japan. They're swearing nonstop. And Mauro Ranallo on a paid, you have to pay to watch it. And he's screaming, oh my bleep. Yep. <sighs> oh my God, he annoyed me to no end. <laughs> You know why? But then again, I guess, I guess that's no nothing new. I've been complaining about him for a long time. So yeah, do you, do you know why he annoys you to no end? Why? Because he's annoying. Yeah, he is. What the fuck? Why do people actually think I'm actually right now after listening? To, uh, this is why I can't watch NXT and why I don't watch it. Like I would take the time because I the performers are really really good, really good. I really like Matt Riddle and we hate I and I hated him because of his bro persona but he has won me over with his matches. I like Dominic Dijakovic. I like Keith Lee. I like everyone in Undisputed Era. Champa is one of my favorites. I love Johnny Gargano. I love the wrestlers. Right. I cannot watch it because of Mauro Ranallo and Beth Phoenix. They're so bad on commentary, and and I'm sure I'm uh, yes, okay, you guys. I know I'm going to get the angry tweets about how I don't really understand it and all that stuff. I don't like them, plain and simple. Yeah, well, you like what you like, right? Mm-hmm. And we've always said that. I mean, that's that's the one thing about this show is we've always said I'm I'm not trying to make anybody like what I like. I'm not trying to. I, we all have different perspectives. We all have different views. Like what you like. Convince me why I should like it. But if I don't, let it go. Right. And and, and I can't and stand. I, and, I, and I just want to make the, you know I understand why you didn't like the women's match after you explained it to me. I loved it because I I thought everybody did a fantastic job in it. I mean I, I mean yes the the stuff with the weapons was irritating at first until I th- really thought about it and I kind of got in, into her head a little bit psych- psychologically. But I thought you know everything everything that happened at the end made a lot of sense. You know I thought oh yeah you know you know they they all they all put each other out. Um, you know. Rhea using the handcuff that she had been cuffed with originally to to take out you know to to her, cuff herself to Baszler and put Baszler through the chair with the Riptide. I mean, I thought everything everything psychologically that match was perfect. I thought before, be, I mean that for like I said that first five to eight minutes with um, Candice LeRae and Io Shirai and even when Bianca got in there and I'm not a fan of Bianca. That's no secret. Um, but I felt like she was great in in her role during that time. Yep. When it turned on me, 
And I so that first eight minutes of the match, I loved, absolutely loved. I Candice LeRae, every time I see her, she impresses me more. But that middle section really got me down. And then hearing Morrow talk and Beth doing her parodying, and and then you get a little snippet from Nigel every now and then, which is the only thing that saved the commentary, by the way, was little snippets from Nigel. Um, I hated it. And then all of a sudden that uh, Dakota Kai turn happened. And the viciousness and the just brutality of that turn. And Shayna laughing in the background and and the looks on B and, and Candace's faces and just everything about that turned it again. So the rest of the match, I loved. Absolutely loved it. I loved the story that was told throughout the remainder of that match. When you had can these two actually do this? Can they survive? Can they beat four people? And the fact that they did, and then watching Candace and, and B. Ripley, or Ripley in the middle of the ring celebrating afterwards was such a great moment. And I loved the ending of that match. It's just that middle part tore me so much that I could have done without the whole thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I was actually wondering as I watched it how, what you were going to think of the whole four versus two thing. I didn't mind it. I honestly didn't. It made sense. It it fit the story well. Um, and we all know that B is just a... I, the only person that I could ever believe is a bigger badass than Shayna Baszler is B Priestley. Or I, I'm sorry, not B Priestley. Uh, Rhea Ripley. Yeah. She's the only person that I could ever believe is a bigger badass than Shayna Baszler. And the other thing, and she proved once, once Io Shirai did that moonsault from the top of the cage and took out the other four people in the match, then it was pretty much, you know, it pretty much just left just left uh, B to take on um, the other Shayna. members of the it was, well, she, well, Shayna after she took out um, Kaylee Ray, and then it was pretty yeah, but that was Kay- pretty much it, you know. Kaylee, Kaylee Ray, I don't even look at as competition to uh, to Rhea. I just don't. She's no, not mean, even she's in her league. No, she was flying through the ring with a garbage can and got her face smashed in by it. <laughs> Which was pretty funny, by the way. <laughs> it was. And the other thing that I didn't like, and, and you talked about the uh, Io Shirai, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this. We can move on to the next one. But Io Shirai, that moonsault, the fact that those two women, after she did that moonsault off the cage, the fact that they couldn't even sell it, they both kind of moved out of the way as she was coming, really, really ruined that moment. And it's like we see that moment in every cage match. There's always a somersault. Ever since Jimmy Superfly Snooka did it in 84, there's always got to be that that um, off-the-top you know, dive, whatever. And Io Shirai did it to perfection. She landed on her feet, which to be honest, was amazing. The fact that she came from 20 feet up, landed on her feet, and didn't break her damn knees was amazing. But the two women moving out of the way at the last second really took me out of it. Really kind of, in my mind, kind of ruined that spot. I can see that. I guess I I wasn't watching that closely to see them them do that. But if that really happened, then yeah. To me, it was something that jumped out. Like if I hadn't kind of been paying half attention or, you know, but I was by that point, I was so into it because of that heel turn 
that I was watching closely. So I, I noticed it a lot more. Another spot that I noticed that really kind of jumped off the page at me was in the next match, which was a good match. Anytime I can see Pete Dunne, I'm happy because I, I never – he's been around, what, three years now that we've really kind of seen him? Three, three and a half? I believe so, yeah. Has he ever had a bad match? Um, not that I've seen. I mean, and, and he's had a match of the er, year, you know. Multiple. I, I, I honestly, I think that he was the star of last year's war games. You know, he he had such a great year last year that when I look back at it, I'm a little disappointed we didn't have him in our top, you know, five, six, seven of the of wrestlers of the year because he had such a great year last year, and this year every year. match. I might have had him in my top ten. Um, I know he didn't make our top five, okay. but I might have had him had him in my top ten. But he had, you know, and then this year he hits the ground running against Joe Coffey, which is still one of my match of the year candidates. And then his match against Walter, I thought was just a, amazing. Everything he's done, I've never seen Pete Dunn have a bad match. Period. And he delivered his normal great match stuff during this whole thing. But Killian Dane, did you notice how when he went for that elbow stomp, where he manipulates joints and all that, and he goes for the elbow stomp, and uh, Killian Dane pulled it away a couple seconds too early? No, I didn't. There was just that one little timing issue. That was my only real complaint about this match. That and when um, uh, Damian Priestley, or Priest or whatever the hell he's going by now, Punishment Martinez, when he kind of had to scoot almost six feet to get into position for Killian Dayton to do the cannonball outside the ring. Those were the two spots that really, really kind of pulled me out of this. Otherwise, I thought this was a really good match. Yeah, I really like those. That's what I did notice. Yeah, I, I mean I Jesus it, Christ. Yeah, I mean it was good. I, Set, did, I just, but like you said, I didn't think it was great, and and, and I think we've come to expect greatness when it comes to these triple threat matches on uh, Takeover. Well, and not just triple threat matches, but anything that involves Pete Dunne. He is so good at what he does, and and I felt like his performance during this was was as good as expected. I felt like Killian Dane and Damian Priest. Is he Priest? Is he Priestly? What the hell is he? He's Priest. Can we just call him Punishment Martinez and leave it at that? No. I don't care what his name is now. Um, you believe really the character I, he has now better than, better than the character of Punishment Martinez? Because I sure do. Oh, I, I do. I like his character better, and I think he's actually improved. Remember, I was on his bandwagon at the end of last year, thinking that he was so much better than we were giving him credit for. Right. Um, or that I was giving him credit and for. I <laughs> and, I, and I think he has, he has definitely improved in the ring. Um, I like his character and the fact that he's pandering to the audience or to the crowd after every big move he does. Um, I like the fact that he wants to go down as a legend and all that stuff. I just, it, it was more Killian Dane that pulled me out of this than it, than anything else. That's interesting. And Killian Dane is a beast. Yeah, that Samoa. Like we, like we were super into Killian Dane last year. Well, yeah, but that was was that 
more because he was a part of Sanity? No, I think I think a lot of it was you know he was having those he was having those great performances even when he wasn't you know even when he wasn't with Sanity where he was um, you know like like his match against um, or that ladder match where he, he was taking on that. Um, oh yeah, that's right. What the hell You're was right. that guy? You know, I mean, there was. I can't. I I know what. I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember what it was. But I I think a lot of what sold me on Killian Dane was his his partnership with Sanity. But then again, too, that's where I fell in love with Nikki Cross. And after Sanity went to the main roster and Nikki Cross was left behind, I kind of lost a little steam on her. But then she, of course, because of how great she is, she won it back over. The only person I feel bad about in this whole sanity thing is Eric Young. That dude has been around. He's, I mean, he's his mid-40s. He, he was one of the best parts of TNA back in the you know, late, mid to late 2000, or 2009, you know, 8, 7, that era. Once he left Team Canada... He was he was such a great character, and it's sad to see him kind of not be anything right now. See, I was never that big on Eric Young. I mean, I, I really I really enjoyed him as part of that in that whatever that superhero thing was with him and Christopher Daniels oh. and Shark Boy and Shark Boy, yeah. yeah, yeah, Shark Boy. <laughs> I like Shark Boy. I miss Shark Boy. Yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, Stone Cold Shark, Stone Cold Shark Boy. How do you beat that? Well, yeah, you can't. But I liked him. I mean, I liked him when he was a member of Team Canada. But when he kind of broke away from them and he was doing his women's division thing, and he became, you know, the when they uh, put out the Knockouts Tag Team Champions, and him and uh, God was it ODB that he was tag champs with. I just, he was so good in that role. And when they made him that sympathetic Daniel Bryan type character, it kind of turned for him. And I felt like he'd finally caught his wave again with sanity. And now it's just like, that's just all gone. I mean, is he even still around? I have no idea. No idea at all. He's just one of those guys, kind of like uh, my favorite uh, Robert Roode portion was when he was the it care when he was the it factor. Right. I loved him in Beer Money. I loved him in uh, Team Canada. But as the it factor, was there anybody better? Yes. Austin Aries. Austin Aries. There you go. Yeah, I mean, but they were together, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I always had those. I always had those fights against the other. You know, the other shade as to which one was Batman, Batman which one was Robin of that team. So. Oh, they were both Batman. They were both so good and so funny. I, that's just, I and that's part of me as your as your one one A stuff. You can't ha- you can't have two Batman in one team. Yeah, you can. I just did. I have Val oh, Kilmer. Speaking, speaking of Batman, and I have Michael Keaton. Did you watch the men's Survivor Series match? Yeah, I did. So. Was that was that like a Batman Beyond costume that Ricochet was wearing? I'm not really sure, but I kind of thought that too. So it had to have been. All right, that's, that's what I was thinking. Um, but you can have two Batmans. You have Val Kilmer, or not? I'm sorry, not Val Kilmer. Christian Bale and Michael Keaton. Ha! Two of them. Not in the same movie, dude. They could be. 
my god. In fact, if we had had Christian Bale as Batman and um, uh, um, dude that became fat that was in Goodwill Hunting, Ben Affleck, um, had him as Bruce Wayne. I was going to say Matt Damon. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? I was going to say Matt Damon when you said the guy was in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah, I guess they both got fat, didn't they? (laughs) Actually, Matt Damon, he did that movie with The Rock. And he lost a shit ton of weight and put it all on his muscle. So I'm I'm impressed with him. But Ben Affleck, he's just gotten fat. Um, but regardless, well, well, he, well, what Ben Affleck was that when Kevin Smith went on a diet, he gave Ben Affleck all his weight. He had to have. Oh my god! I, I swear to God, between um, Armageddon and Batman, he gained six hundred pounds. <laughs> he blew. <laughs> Hundred. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to him, but um, anyway, we got Christian Bale as Batman, Bruce Wayne, uh, and uh, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. Perfect Batman, right there. You did not like Christian Bale as, as Bruce Wayne. No, I didn't. Wow. Okay. I liked him when he was being the arrogant asshole, um, but as Bruce Wayne, typically, no. I I thought. I thought both Michael Keaton and uh, Ben Affleck were better than Christian Bale as, as Bruce Wayne. Michael Keaton was great as Bruce Wayne. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I just, I'm just hoping that you're not going to come out and tell me, tell me that Tobey Maguire was the best uh, Peter Parker ever. Oh, no. That'll never happen. Good. Whoever this kid is, whoever this kid is now, uh, Tom Holland, he's the best Peter Parker. And the best Spider-Man. He's the best of both of them. There's no one better. And there will never be a better Iron Man than Robert Downey Jr. Plain and simple. I really liked Andrew Garfield as Batman. Yeah, you know, I can't disagree with that. But he wasn't one of my top. You know, I, I still... Val Kilmer... Or not Val Kilmer. I keep going to Val Kilmer. Um... I still felt like Christian Bale might have been the strongest actual Batman that I've ever seen. Maybe it's because he did three movies, um, so it was a little different. You you got more out of him than the other guys. I just felt like he was in, in The Dark Knight and in Batman Begins. I don't know that there could have been a better Batman than Christian Bale. No, I agree with that. I was, I was talking about, as far as Spider-Man goes, I thought Tom Holland was... I thought oh. Andrew Garfield was fantastic as... as, as oh, uh, sorry. I, I heard you say... I thought you said Batman. Sorry. My bad. And now that you say it, yeah. When did Andrew um, Garfield ever play Batman? I... T- <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone. I'm tired, man. Right, <laughs> I didn't I'll sleep leave. last night. All right, I'll leave you anyway. Here. Okay, so yeah. Andrew Garland, yes. He was... If I had to rank him, it's Tom Holland, Andrew Garland, and... Uh, Tobey Maguire. Okay, can we can we put Andrew Garfield in there somewhere though? <laughs> Didn't I say him? I thought Garland. I said him. You said Andrew Garland. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm tired, man. Yeah, so, I need sleep. So, so, so and then as far as far as Batman's, we'll go with Christian Baker as number one. <laughs> Christian Baker. <laughs> yeah, Fuck since you. you. Said, since you said Andrew Garland, I just went Christian Baker instead of Bale. So. Wow. Okay. Why do I talk to you? By the way. 
right. So anyway, are we going to get back to actual wrestling talk here? Because we're now. Remember, we always said we weren't going to go over an hour. We're almost pushing an hour right now. We, we are. We're actually an hour and four minutes right now. Right. So Balor versus Riddle. Go. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Could have done without the ending because I really felt like Matt Riddle should have won that. But I love the match. I thought they they both worked their asses off. I thought they told a good story. I loved the fact that Riddle gave up his spot in the war games to to go after the redemption of Johnny Gargano. I just everything about this match I absolutely loved. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it too. There's really nothing I can bad I can say about it other than, um, first of all, I, I can't believe that Bowers using the double stomp. <laughs> but, right. But it, but it's but it's one of the few Finn Balor matches I've seen you know in years that I've really enjoyed. So. And he has to stop calling it 1916. Go black. To, go back to calling it Bloody Sunday and leave it at that. Yeah. This 1916 DDT is no. It's a Bloody Sunday. Leave it at that. You know, the only thing about 1916 is it might make people look up to see what 1916 actually means. You know. That's a good point. You know, which is the year of the Irish Revolution. So. Right. You know, so I mean, I, and that makes about. sense. Okay. And you know, I I do like the elevated I do like the elevated uh, version of the 1916 that he's been doing. That he's actually so actually he, I think he did win the match with that, didn't he? he didn't win with the double stomp. Yeah, he did. That's right. The double stomp he missed. Remember and hurt his knee. Yeah. Well, there was actually that because. I can say there's actually one bad part about that is that Matt Riddle did not sell that shotgun dropkick very well. No, he did not. And the <laughs> fact that he had to move like four feet to get in position for the uh, for the double or for the coup de gras was right. a little bit. And seriously, Morrow, not everything has to be bro. It's not bro to sleep. It's not stop. Seriously, the bro, the broton. The Broton. It was a, it, he had a bro drop kick and he had a drop bro or something in there too. It was it was starting to get annoying. Um, but I am every time I see Matt Riddle, and it doesn't matter if it's Evolve, it doesn't matter if it's NXT. Every time I see Matt Riddle, I like him more. He is just really really talented, and his uh, the way that he did the ankle lock, and then was able to flip to the other ankle was a great transition and something I've never seen before. And and that's part of the reason I'm starting to really like Matt Riddle is because of things like that. Yeah, and, and, and for anybody out there who, like, looking at Matt Riddle and saying, okay, so he was undefeated, now he's lost some matches, he still hasn't held a championship in TakeOver, he lost to Finn Balor in Balor's return. I just want to point out that, no, that not just anybody pins Randy Orton in a Survivor Series match. So... I thought, that, I thought that was a huge um, feather in the cap of Matt Riddle to actually be, the, be a guy that pinned Randy Orton at Survivor Series. To anybody that actually says you know he hasn't held gold and all that stuff, I say fuck you. Watch his matches. Win or lose, he is a superstar, and somebody that is going to be. I mean, he's only a, he's only been a pro for five years. Mm-hmm. And we've been watching him now for, what, a year and a half in NXT? And I remember when he first came out, we were laughing about his stupid character and how bad he was and because of the Cassius Ono stuff. But once he hit his, hit his groove, I don't know that there's a better wrestler in NXT than Matt Riddle. 
he goes out and delivers every time he's in the ring. Every single time. And he did it again in this match. He, you know, he, and to make, I mean, like you just said, this was probably my favorite Finn Balor match. And I, unlike you, I've actually been a fan of Finn Balor. So for me to say that this is my favorite is a big step. And part of the reason was because of Matt Riddle and how well he is and how good he is at selling, how good he is at just making not only Finn Balor look good, but the way that he puts on his moves, it's all seamless. He doesn't miss. He doesn't fumble through anything. He does transition spots that you look at and go, how the hell did he get to that? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's truly amazing to watch him perform. And it, it's one of those things that I'm glad I, I get a chance to because he is really, really good. Yeah, it's it's probably my favorite Finn Balor match since his match against Samoa Joe at TakeOver when they when Joe got all bloodied up. Oh, yeah, when Balor lost and, yeah. That's probably, that's probably Which, my favorite Bauer match. So it's always like in like what two and a half years or something. No, it's that's dude. That was like four years ago. Oh, it was wasn't it? No. When yeah, it was, was like 2016. Yeah, <laughs> we're pushing four years since that match happened. Right, because it was it was right now. Bo- right, because it was it was also the <coughs> he debuted, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was 2000. Yep. I think it was like and it, March of 2016 or something like that. And the next night, he uh, uh, Finn appeared on Raw and was entered into that Universal title picture and then you know, won it at, uh, what was it, Survivor Series that year? I don't remember. Uh, one, one, one of those. Okay, it was SummerSlam. So, I mean, yeah, they, we're, we're going back about four years since that happened. I didn't, yeah, you're right. That's, yeah, so three, so three and a half. So three and a half years, not two and a half years. Anyway, I thought I thought it was really great, and, and you know, I, th- I think at some point we can talk about about Rhea Ripley a bit too. But I think we're we're pushing it on this one, so you know. But but I but yeah, I, I mean, NXT yet, so I just want to I just want to let you know that she was out there talking shit about Shayna Baszler, and Baszler came out, got in her face, and said, "They call you the nightmare, but I'm the reality." Oh, great line! Yeah, great great line. You know, you know, you had mentioned that Shayna has become one of you know, probably your best female, re- your favorite female wrestler of all time. Absolutely, she's she is getting there for me too. I mean, she it, it, it's when you look at female wrestlers before, and I'm not going to say Shayna Baszler is amazingly beautiful by any stretch. You look at Candice LeRae, you look at uh, Velvet Sky, Angelina Love. I'll say that Shayna Baszler looks like the Predator. So. <laughs> She does, and that's where I was going with that whole stretch. So a lot of people, because it's just been, and maybe it's a WWE's fault. Maybe it's the fact that you know WCW and NWA they never really had a women's division. Mm-hmm. That people look at you know you, in order to be a great female wrestler, you have to be a fucking model. Um, there are some women that are wrestling now that are actually really talented that have the model good look. Char- Charlotte Flair is one. Candice LeRae is one. Sasha is one. But Shayna Baszler is not somebody that I would go as model good look. But she might be the best wrestler on the planet. Yeah. 
as far as female women go, as far as women go. And I think she has the been, only I think person, she has been for like six months. So the um, only person I could even put in that category is Kelly Klein. I think Kelly is amazing, but I don't think she's had the kind of competition and stage that Shayna Baszler has had. I think if she ever gets it, I think Kelly Klein is going to be right up there with Shayna Baszler. Well, see, and I was going to say that, you know, and I was thinking this at, while watching the War Games match and, and then also watching the next night on Survivor Series is that, and, and, I've, and I've mentioned this for like the last, you know, I mentioned this like maybe a month, six, six weeks ago, you know, Io Shirai is really climbing up that, that ladder for me, too. Yeah, she has gotten good, too. She's so Since good her heel I, turn. She's so good that I really want to go back and watch some of her old matches in stardom and see how see what I'm missing there, you know? Since, since her heel turn, she has gotten so, so good. So good. I love the fact that she was walking out of the ring telling the fans to, to go fuck themselves. I, I thought that was just such a great touch on her character. And you know, for those for the, for those out there that you know might might be thinking, well, you're, you know, you're you're kind of discounting the four horse horsewomen. Maybe no, maybe the other two bit. suck. I'm no, the other that. two suck. I was gonna say, <laughs> but here's the thing: is that four horsemen built a foundation for these other women to come up. They they were never going to be, you know, the greatest oh, women wrestlers okay. of all time Sorry. because because they, but they were they created a foundation for others to be better than them down the road. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've never been the fan of Charlotte that a lot of people are. So. When when you said four horsewomen, I was actually thinking of the uh, UFC four horsewomen. No, I was thinking of the WWE with Je- Jessamine Duke and and okay, yeah. Now that you're saying Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, and uh, and Becky, yeah, and they're and they're all I'm really a good huge. To, they're all really good to great. I'm not going to take anything away from any of them, but my point is. Somebody had to come first, you know, for this for this generation, and and you know, it, it's like, you know, Jeff is a huge fan of Ric Flair. I'm huge. not, but loved it. But kind of you know, want his Ric children. Without Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels, you don't get AJ Styles, and you don't get Chris Jericho. Good point. Good point. You know, and and, and to me, as good as the women are right now, five ten years from now, we're going to see people that are even better. <laughs> That dwarf and if you think accomplishments of these people, so if you think about it, without um, Hogan, you don't get Edge, you don't get uh, Christian, you don't get Ray. Jesus, Randy. You don't, you don't get Bully Ray or, yeah. or, or Mick Foley without Jimmy Snuka. So exactly. I mean, there's you look back at at the history of who we thought were the greats in the late seventies, early eighties. And then you look at what became of that in the 90s. And now we're looking at people that are emulating our favorites from the 90s. And they're better than what we saw then. I, I, do you have Finn Balor without, um, without Edge and without Hogan and you know without those guys? Do you have, uh, I mean, do you have Kevin Owens without Steve Austin it's and now we're coming on that next generation because now we've got Owens and Orton and Cena who kind of paved the way for these new guys coming up I mean I know you're not a Mike Bennett fan 
but Mike Bennett has really emulated himself after Edge. You know, and and you've got all these people like Matt Taven, who's kind of become the next version of CM Punk, and and so on and so on and so on. And in ten years, we're going to start to see that out of the women, where you're going to find these guys like Hulk Hogan, who's now been approved on, Im- improved on, and Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, Bailey. They're in. They are the improvement on Trish and Lita, and Medusa, and you know all Alondra Blaze, who is you know Medusa, um, Victoria, and Molly Holly, who always get shortchanged in these discussions. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw exactly. You know, it, well those two, and uh, and of course Angelina Love. I mean Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, in the mid two thousands. They were the knockout division, along with Victoria and uh, and Molly and uh, Mickey James. Mickey James is another one. Yep. Oh yeah, and absolutely, Gail Kim. I mean, Gail, Gail, Gail Kim, Kim helped build the knockout division, and then went to WWE and helped build that division. So. And then quit on national television and went back to TNA. <laughs> yep. And one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um. But yeah, I mean, if you look at it, it it's all building on something that happened before, and eventually, we have some great women wrestlers right now. We have some that are being forced down our throats, but if you can get past the ones that are being forced down our throats, the ones that are great, Charlotte. there's some... Hey, I like. I I think Charlotte has her moments. I'm not going to say she's the greatest of all time. I don't think she should have nine uh, women's championships at this point. But I will give her credit. She is she is very talented. She's definitely a flair. And that's my exact point: is she is talented, but is she not much more talented she, than the other th- than than anybody else in that division? That she should have nine championships at this point. Oh hell that, no! That, that she should have. Is, is she that talented that she should have been shoehorned into the main event of WrestleMania instead of it just being Becky versus Ronda Rousey? No. Or, so. hey, maybe the fact that Sasha went how long before she won a belt? Has she even won a belt yet? Sasha? Yeah. Yeah, she and Becky traded it back and forth. For, I mean, she and um, Charlotte traded it back and forth a few years ago, remember? On the main roster? On the main roster, yeah. That's where, how where, disappointing where, where, where that where was. Where Sasha would win the title on Raw, and then be, and then and then Charlotte would have back from her on pay per view. It's fucking disappointing. They were the first. It, they were the it, first two women to main, to main event a, a WWE pay per view when they when they faced each other in Hell in a Cell for the championship. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. And still to this day, I don't. Uh, it, the way they've positioned Sasha Banks, who I think is probably the most talented of the four horsewomen, even ahead of Becky Lynch, is is embarrassing. It truly is. Sasha is, and I just made Ryan Evans really, really happy by saying that. Just so you know, you know yes. he is like he he right now is kind of shaking with excitement, like a chihuahua. The way that I look at the way that I look at them is that I just called Ryan a Chihuahua, and you're just going past it like it didn't happen. Well, I don't really want to call one of our most uh, devoted listeners a loyal, a little demon pocket dog. So. Fair enough, fair enough. Ryan, we love you. 
But I was gonna, what I was going to say is that I think Becky is the best of them in the ring. I think Sasha is the best of them on the mic. Overall. And overall. She's the best. I think, yeah. I think Charlotte is the best athlete of the four. And then I think Bailey just kind of has pieces of all of that. But she, but she is, to me, she's clearly the, the fourth best of them. She's the fourth best, but she might be the most lovable character of the bunch. I can never. I, I, but, I agree with that, but but not for me. Not, no, and, not and not and not for me either. She's she's not for me either. But she is one of those. She might, and I guess lovable is the wrong word. Maybe most sympathetic character of the bunch. No, I think you were. I think you were right the first time. It's just not. It's just not somebody that I personally gravitate to. But I. But I realize that I'm in the minority on that. <laughs> I'm right there with you on the minority, but we agree on so much that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no. Uh, and, but and yeah, I, it, and the other the other thing that I'll say is that of all the women on the on the main roster, you know, I love I love Oscar. But she's not overall ever going to be a fantastic wrestler just because she can't really talk on the mic for the for an American audience. No. So to me, but she is immensely uh, talented in the ring. Yeah, but but to so to me, the second best overall woman in WWE proper is Alexa Bliss. Oh, absolutely. Overall, yes. She she's phenomenal in the ring. She's phenomenal on the mic. She is one of probably, I, and I don't want to call her underrated because I think you know she's gotten her due in the WWE. But overall, has she really gotten her due? No, I like think, when I people and she, she has haters out there that think that she, you know they think that she's gotten too much. And I don't. Well, and she. Way. She was one of those people because I mean she came up the same time that um, whatever that dancing idiot from New York was, um, Carmella. Uh, she came up at the same time as Carmella, and Alexa took off. And it wasn't just because she's you know five feet of fury and just gorgeous as all hell. She is really really talented. She it, she might have been probably the best woman female heel in the business for a long time. She's great in the ring. She she was very very underutilized in NXT, and it's rare that you can say that about somebody that was an NXT call up, because normally they get it right in NXT and not so much on the main roster. She is one of the few people. That they didn't get right in NXT, but they hit a home run on the main roster. Agreed, and and you know the the other thing with her is that um, this isn't about her, you know, necessarily completely. But when she came up, you know, a, a lot of people were, were angry that she was that she kind of got the spot people thought was going to go to Becky. You know, she she, right. she had so much more motivation. Um, she was so much hotter than Becky. That she kind of that she kind of you know took the spot that everybody thought was going to go to Becky, um, and that ended up working for the benefit of both of those performers because without that, Becky doesn't get as hot as she got at the end of last year. I think Becky 
having failed and and not failed i mean she put on amazing matches and for people that are true wrestling fans we understood that she just never got her gold she never got the love that you would expect from the wwe roster but for us hardcore fans we loved her from the start we thought she was great but without alexa kind of hitting that home run and without people like ruby riot coming in alexa just talked to me for no reason um without ruby riot coming in hitting that home run without uh you know some of these other people coming up i don't know that becky lich would have ever gotten to that the man character that got her over and it really was that character that got her to the point she is now where she might be the most popular popular wrestler on WWE proper. Right. And, and I, and I think, you know, you and I, and I think a lot of other people out there realize that, um, Sasha Banks is the best women's wrestler on the main roster. The question is, oh, yeah. will, she, will she ever have that timing like the other three have had where she can, where she has the opportunity to actually become the man. And that's in that organization. That's one of the things I fear, and why I was so sad when she actually came back to WWE. I think she might be the odd man out, even though she's the most talented. She, um, but I don't know that she'll ever reach the heights she did in NXT with her boss character. No, and the and the window I think was you know I think I think the there was a window there where she could have. But they decided to recently to, 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 to triple down on Charlotte rather than oh yeah recently they could have done it too but I'm talking about a couple of years ago they decided to triple down on Charlotte rather than making them both equal right and when she came back and turned heel after what you know six seven months off and came back and was able to turn heel they could have capitalized on her again and they chose not to. And that's sad because, like you said, she might be the most talented woman on that roster. Two other people that I think are really, really talented, but they're not getting the kind of love they deserve. On And, and I know we've gone in a WWE turn here because probably because of NXT, whatever. But Liv Morgan... And um, I can't think of her name right now. Uh, she was part of the, um, not Mandy Rose, the other one. Sarah Logan? Yeah, Sarah Logan. Um, Liv and Sarah are two, oh, and Peyton Royce is another one too, that are immensely talented I just don't know if they're ever going to get the gimmick that gets them over. I think they're kind of stuck where they're at right now. And those are three women that I think have so much potential to be that kind of upper echelon. Like where, where Becky and, and Sasha and Bailey and all those guys are. I just don't know if they're ever going to get that love. I felt so lost watching Sarah Logan at Survivor Series because I was like, okay, so she's a Viking. So is she with, is she with, um, 
war machine or what the hell is going on with this shit? <laughs> what are and who are they? Are they war machine? Are they war raiders? Are they uh, even an Igor? What the hell are they now? They're the well, they're the Viking experience, but I'm always going to call them. I don't give a shit what they are. It's yeah. Fuck. Noise me. Yeah. That's one of those things that annoys me. No, they're the Viking Raiders. Yeah. And what are they? Would they change their name to Eric and Ivor or Ivan or something? Um, Eric and Ivor, I think. Whatever. It's ridiculous. It's Hanson and Roe. Oh, no. It's definitely ridiculous. I was just trying to answer your question. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Holy shit, we're an hour and a half in. When was the last time we did a show this long? Um, don't know. Good question. Have we even, have we even talked about the main event yet? Barely. I mean, I, I mentioned how I, you know, I mentioned how it annoyed me. And see, I loved it. I mean, I I I felt like Champa being the guy to start it, and Roderick Strong coming down and being the second was probably the best combination we could have had. No. And I want to... S- Kyle O'Reilly. You don't think so? Kyle O'Reilly would have been better than Roderick Strong. You think so? Because he's Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, but Strong has been... He's been really, really good, and he keeps getting better. Yeah, but I've been... And it, ever since his... Yeah, that's fair enough. Oh, that brings me to one thing that I was going to say that I know is going to cause some angst between us, and you probably won't talk to me tomorrow, and, you know, it's fine. Um, As long as I talk to you on Wednesday, right? Yeah, it's fine. Um, O'Reilly and Strong or Red Dragon? O'Reilly and Strong. Okay, good, because that's what I was thinking, too. Those who have some sick chemistry, and they proved it in this War Games match. Yeah, like, really I love I love Red Dragon, but some of the stuff I was seeing out of O'Reilly and Strong, was it was almost magical. It was like, how are these two not still tag team champions? Right. I, I would have rather been- seen... And that's and that's the crazy thing is that is that Kyle O'Reilly is 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 the best is the uh, is part of my two favorite tag teams on the planet, you know. Right, exactly. Oh, and he and he's mine too. He's he's always been one of those guys that never has gotten his due. But when I was watching the just the chemistry between those two in this War Games match, I kept going, "What the hell." Why are we in so in love with Red Dragon when these two could be a tag team? Well, because that's that's what we they, have. I mean, we don't we don't have Red Dra- we don't have these two as a tag team anymore. I just wish we did because they are so good together. They have so much chemistry together. They actually, I mean, I love Red Dragon. Love them. They're one of my favorite tag teams of all time. Mm-hmm. But Strong and O'Reilly together is just something there's so much chemistry there that I think gets overlooked and I just the, when you look at two people as a tag team and you, you try to see if they'll mesh you know, you get the Heart Foundation Nightheart and Heart, you get Demolition I think that 
Strong and O'Reilly could be in that same discussion as w- with one of the best tag teams of all time because of their chemistry. Now, of course, they're not going to be because they keep going back to Red Dragon. I just think they could be. Well, I'm not, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, Red Dragon was set to defend their tag team titles on NXT against Dominant, Dominant Dijak. Dominic Dijakovic and um, Keith Lee. Okay. Dijakovic threw Bobby Fish onto Kyle O'Reilly. O'Reilly's knee hit. Or sorry, Fish's knee hit O'Reilly's knee, and O'Reilly was not able to actually wrestle in the match. So I, I haven't what? heard how badly hurt he is, but it was, of course. Roderick Strong, who filled in, the, in that match, um, they retained they retained their championships by hitting the high low, and so so it is certainly possible that we have those guys as tag team champions again. Speaking of which, though, did you catch that spot during the War Games match when they really messed up when Dijakovic and Lee messed up that throw and probably put fish on the shelf for quite a while the fact that he was able to continue that match after getting that knee shot when uh, Strong was thrown into him and he hyper extended that knee the way he did was amazing and he still went what another 15-20 minutes oh I totally forgot about that yeah and you know when we're watching it and it's one of the few times I'll give Ronaldo credit. He called it out. No, actually, it was Nigel that called it out about how it looked like it you know, was something major and something serious. It took him a good four to five minutes before he could get up on his feet. And then the fact that he, you know, I mean, he did some moves. He did that moonsault. He did, you know, a couple things here and there where people forgot about it, but that was a major, major hit. And it would not surprise me if that puts him on a shelf for a while. And that was all, and it was all a blown spot. I mean, it was just, they went for something that they couldn't do. Why they did it, I still to this moment have no clue. But it was Roderick Strong, 220, 225 pounds. Did they really think they were going to throw him over both ropes? That was one of the scariest spots I've seen in a long time. Well, apparently they thought they were strong enough to do it. Yeah, guess what? You're not. <laughs> it, it was just one of those moments where I was watching it going, ah, that's going to be a problem. And maybe Bobby Fish really ended up hurt. Yeah, that definitely could be it. Because it sure didn't look like this. It sure didn't look like the spot that where he hurt his knee. It should have, should have hurt him as badly as it as it apparently did. But I but he I have got, not, but I have not read anything on it about um, about you know if he's actually legitimately out or not. He had a two hundred and twenty pound man thrown into his knee. No, not that the had one I'm talking hurt. about. I'm talking about the one in NXT. Is the, is the one, what I mean is that the, the, when they sh- they, the one they said he hurt himself on did not look like it, it really would have 
you know. Yeah, okay. And, and granted, and granted knee injuries can come out of nowhere, so that could that could have just be bullshit by me. But yeah, and that's possible. I I, I mean, I just my biggest takeaway was the fact that the chemistry between Strong and O'Reilly is something that is magical. And I really, really hope that they... I would have rather, at this point, after seeing the way they work together and how good they look together, I'd rather see Strong and O'Reilly as the tag team champions and Bobby Fish as the... Uh, as the um, national... Is it national? What is it? What do they call it in... North American North, Yeah. So many fucking championships <laughs> in all these are. promotions. I can't even keep track anymore. Um, but I, I I would rather see Bobby Fish as the individual champ that Roger Strong is, even though he puts on amazing matches singly too. Because I just think that O'Reilly and Strong together is one of those magical combinations where they just fit perfectly yeah and and you know when i saw them live defend the titles at uh takeover chicago 2 last year i felt exactly the same i felt like wow these are i'm watching one of the great it's what could be one of the greatest tag teams of all time yeah it's it's crazy it really is but i don't know you have anything else we've gone a lot longer than we were planning we have so I think we should. I think we should let it go. If we have anything else, we can touch on in a minute. <sighs> All right, fine. All right, guys. Uh, Patreon. That's our big thing. We're not doing a show tonight. Well, we're gonna hit that on Thursday. Uh, lots come up in both our personal lives again. Um, so we're gonna do it on Thursday. Uh, but Patreon.com slash Kingdom of Honor. You want to support this show? Go there. Uh, we got a couple of different tiers you can donate to us. We enjoy um, all the support we get, and uh, it does help us continue to bring you guys more content. We try to do something exclusive for Patreon every week, and we have, of course we have our two shows, uh, Kingdom of Honor, which is hashtag KOH, and uh, Dynamite After Dark, which is hashtag DAD. That brings me to Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Regicoab, him at Zanman LOP. Uh, follow us personally. Also follow us uh, because of the show. Again, best way to find us is hashtag KOH and hashtag DAD. Um, and YouTube. Another thing we're trying to do, uh, eventually, Imp has me on this. Uh, <sighs> he has me on a mission. Because he is broadcasting live on YouTube, and I want to do it. So, go to YouTube.com slash Kingdom of Honor. Click this link, any link, all of them, so that we can get the listens. Click subscribe to that channel and the notification bell. Uh, That is the best way to get us to a point where we are actually going to be able to broadcast live on YouTube. Um, That's all I got. That's all of it. I have no more. I'm looking at Dakota Dakota Kai pictures right now. I don't care about anything. Wow, she's hot. Oh my god, she's hot. How have I not noticed? Yes. Oh my God. You need to get out more. Yeah, I do. 
We both know that. <laughs> yeah, Shut like, up. Do like, the like other Jeff thing. Was saying, he's, you know, Emba's broadcasting live on LOP, Ra LOP Radio's, or excuse me, Lords of Pain's YouTube site. You can also check out any LOP show on there. Typically, they're posted within about a day of them coming on. So if you really want to listen to us on YouTube for some reason, you can do that. It won't be any, it won't be any fun video to go with it, but you can certainly listen to it. Um, you can also check out all the other LOP Radio shows. I believe I don't believe that. Um, oh no! Yeah, the the uh, global revolution is back on. There was actually an episode last Tuesday, so t you know check that out. Also, on Wednesday is Sports Entertainment is Dead and Dynamite After Dark. On Thursday is Emp's LOP Radio Adventure. On Friday is the Right Side of the Pond. And then we'll be back with you next week with Kingdom of Honor. We'll be talking about what I have no idea. But it'll be, it'll, <laughs> it probably in, in, in involves something with pro wrestling. I, it will, unless I have another week like I had. Then we're going to talk about my life because my life is fun. I don't get paid enough therapy dollars to talk about your life on the air. Oh, I have given you our... Uh, our uh, <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> no, you're anyway. Not, you're not giving me a whatever. You're correct. <laughs> All right. All right. So, love you guys. So, as... Uh, that's as, your cue. That's my cue. Okay. As, uh, as our buddy Steve always used to say, you know, take care of yourselves out there in the really, really world. Remember, nothing is trivial. That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying... Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night. Bang.